G'day everyone, this is Daz, and on today's show, the conference finals are heating up. The road to the NBA finals is looking a little clearer, and Smithy and I are here to dissect it all. Two amazing series, which are still up for grabs, are discussed. We've got four coaching hires to dissect. Smithy's got some real confusion about a couple of them, and a couple of men that Smithy and Daz identified last week are showing up, and then some. We're looking forward to getting stuck into it. We hope you're looking forward to listening. Let's go. This is when you can run the, the high screen and roll before the defense is set. Hesitation move by Young. He hits it a foul. What a play by Trey Young off the hesitation. Back again for the conference finals. When we last left you, the Clippers and the Suns uh, had already begun. They were 1-0 up, so we're going to look at games 2, 3, and 4. We've got the first three games of the Eastern Conference to look at. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too, and so is my co-host. His name is Smithy. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thank you, my friend. And I'm ready to chat some NBA. As always, it's been a busy week in the NBA. Look, it's not been as busy as last week, but if that's the barometer that we're setting for drama and for news, or we'd never run out of content, which would be fantastic, but more about the actual basketball that's on the court rather than off the court, which uh, I think for us is a more relaxed environment for us to talk about, uh, more in-depth analysis rather than worry about uh, who's getting traded and the like. So we're going to get stuck into uh, game by game because we've only got a few things to talk about, um, but we're looking forward to doing so. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready to go. All right, let's start in the West. Clippers and the Suns, as we said, game one was already in the book when we spoke to you last. So we're going to go straight to game two, mate. And oh boy, oh boy, did we get some drama in this one. 104, 103 was the Suns. And as much as we'd love to dissect quarter by quarter or anything like that, mate, it really was down to the last play, wasn't it? Out of looking, throws it alley. Oh, Aiden puts it down. He puts it down. They're trying to say goaltending, but that's a live basketball. He can finish it. Right. There is no goaltending on an inbound pass. Yeah, it was a crazy last play. Um, absolutely insane. You heard the highlight just there. Um, obviously, if you haven't seen it yet and you're hearing that for the first time, I hope that rock that you're living under is nice. <laughs> and- yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, get yourself out from under that thing and watch the highlight because it's crazy. Um, brilliant play from DeAndre Ayton. And what's not getting enough credit about that play? I was just about to bring by, this up. Yeah, the, the pass by Jay Crowder. Amazing. Incredible accuracy, incredible ability to put the ball right where it needs to be. Um, if it wasn't for Jay Crowder, that game would not have been possible and we'd be looking at a different series right now, my friend. Mate, we absolutely would be in the, the the channels out there, like Dude Perfect and these trick shot guys. They get to film hundreds of takes to get it right. Jay Crowder literally had one go, and it was simply perfection. I agree with you. Doesn't get enough love. I'll tell you who wasn't getting enough love on the back of that game either, mate, was your man. You brought him up uh, last time we spoke as one to look out for and one that was uh, beginning to flourish at the point without Chris Paul, and that's campaign. How happy with you after giving him the talking up that the NBA media weren't, that he went and dropped 29. And I'd like to think it was for you, mate. How did you feel? Not only did he have 29 points, but he had nine assists and zero turnovers. Oh, boy. That, that is just incredible stuff. That's taking the piss. A man who has been thrown out, abandoned, 
by many other NBA franchises in the past. Um, when he was in OKC, he was seen as just a dance partner for Russell Westbrook. Um, when he went to Chicago, he barely got any minutes and was waived straight away. He's bounced around all different places, but he's found a little home and found a little niche in Phoenix. I think Chris Paul's influence has been huge on him, but for him to come out and play the best game of his career on the biggest stage of his career so far, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And he was one of the main reasons that the Suns got over the line in this one because his performance was just so steady and so reliable for that Suns team. So shout out to Cameron Payne. Before we get to game three, absolutely shout out to campaign and the whole Phoenix organization to go as far as they have. It's, it's been a joy as a neutral fan to watch. I'm sure Clippers fans right now aren't enjoying us uh, saying that, or if you're a fan of the team that the uh, Suns have eliminated, but as a neutral fan, which we both are, have they been the most enjoyable team for you to watch so far? I, as soon as Chris Paul signed there, I earmarked this team as a fun team to watch because I knew that they had Devin Booker, who's always been fun to watch. I knew they had a developing star center in DeAndre Ayton. And bringing Chris Paul into this team with the youth and excitement they had was always going to be a really fun watch. And they've delivered in spades, that's for sure. Um, I really love what Phoenix have got going on. I tune in whenever I can to their games, whether it be a random regular season game or a Western conference finals game. So yeah, the Phoenix suns have definitely been a, uh, a joy to watch in this, in this season. That's for certain. Just a, a hard luck story before we move on to game three. And we're not here to promote gambling. Um, if you are, please do so responsibly, but you have to almost feel, uh, maybe feel, I don't know what you feel. I feel a bit of joy, a bit of empathy at the same time. There was a man that uh, apparently through, a betting agency here in Australia who put five grand on Phoenix to make the finals only three games into the regular season. So I think they were paying at that stage 21. They were paying something ridiculous at that point in time. He's chucked all that money on and the, I think they lost their next game by over 10 points. So he cashed out. So he cashed oh, nice. out. He took the loss and he was like, okay, I've done, I've clearly done this. It was a bit stupid. I'll take whatever money back that the betting agency can give me almost as like an apology. I shouldn't have done that. And uh, as they sit, he could have been a, a very rich man. So as Australians, I think there's a bit of part of us that goes, that's hard luck, but there's also a bit of sucked in about that. I think you've got to let it ride. If, if, if you, if you're willing to put that on, you've just got to, you got to wait it out, especially those long range investments, I'll call them, but mm you got to at least pan out and see how it happens. I think that's a bit of a lesson, but yeah, that's uh, unresponsible gambling. That's it. It reminds me of the uh, the guy a few years ago who put $1,000 at 500 to one on Leicester to win the Premier League, cashed out after they lost the first game and they went on to win it. So like we said, there's a little bit of sucked in about that, but enough about the gambling, mate. We're going to move on. Game three. I think the Clippers after the game two ending, I think weak teams would have psychologically being crushed perhaps or might not be able to recover for it. But I think the Clippers deserve more credit than they got in the media for their 106-92 win in game three. Paul George went nuts, 27-15 and eight. He's playing like a man that is taking any sort of loss or any sort of setback personally. 
which was a criticism of him, especially in last season's playoffs. But as we know, mate, as fans, he's copped it throughout his playoff career uh, all the time. But the Clippers went 25 of 48 from mid-range, which, as we know, was the Phoenix uh, is the Phoenix style of playing basketball. Is this a, probably a bounce back that perhaps wasn't talked about enough? Because, like we said, we, they don't, they still don't have Kawhi. They had everything sort of go against them in that last play, calls of a of a foul late that wasn't called, but they went out there and they got the job done before we move on to game four. How do you think, what credit do you think the Clippers should have gotten for that game? Yeah, they deserved credit. Absolutely. Um, The media wanted to jump on the loser as we always make emphasis of on this podcast. Uh, The media love a loser and fans love a winner. So the media was straight on to Devin Booker and Chris Paul, who combined shot a really poor percentage. Uh, I think they were 10 of 39 combined off the top of my head. Um, so they didn't come to play in that game three. But instead of the media giving the likes of Paul George credit for 27, 15 and 8, and Avica Zubac, who has a tough, a, a tough role to play in this series, going up against DeAndre Ayton every game, he had 15 points and 16 rebounds and well and truly took it up to Aiton in this game. So instead of giving the likes of those people credit and the Clippers credit as a franchise for going back home and bouncing back, uh, having the series at 2-1, the media jumped straight on the Phoenix Suns who lost the game. So yeah, that's what we're here to do, mate. We're here to pump up the winners and you know give some credit where it's due and the LA Clippers definitely deserved that credit for their game three performance. Right, absolutely. We're just a, a couple of humble fans here to uh, celebrate the people that do well in this sport. Just speaking of that, does it frustrate you as much as it frustrates me that the NBA meter, especially in playoffs more so, and we kind of understand why they're in a clout-based business. I mean, we are too as a podcast, but we like to uh, stay true to our opinions, of course. But the amount of uh, change that takes place in their opinions game to game, like, the Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton shot went in or the play was successful. The Clippers are gone. The Clippers are gone was all over the media. The Clippers bounce back. All of a sudden it's Phoenix gone. Do you get a bit tired of it or am I just a, uh, a fan who's got too much time on his hands and doing too much complaining? Cause frankly, I'm sick of it. No, I'm, I'm hundred percent on board with you there. Um, if you, if you say something, you have to stick by that opinion. So if you if you think that after game two the LA Clippers are done, don't jump on their bandwagon after they win game three. Like seriously, come on. I know, but this is this is the this is the outcome, the product of seven day a week sporting shows. Mm. Because there's only so much we can talk about, my friend. Yeah. And that's why I love having the format of a weekly show um, to cover the the actual action within the league. We may come up with different shows throughout the off season that are more than once a week, but while the NBA action is happening, we're, we're sticking with a weekly format because we feel like we can gather an opinion over the week and stick by it instead of coming on every day and, you know, going back and forth and changing our minds and saying what's popular at the time. So yeah, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine, my friend. And I hope through this platform, 
we can stick true to what we believe and what we feel. Um, I feel like we've done that so far. So yeah, yeah I think we absolutely have. And there's nothing worse than the Clippers are gone, like we said, and then the Clippers had a win and it's the Suns are gone. And then spoiler alert, the Suns win game four and all of a sudden they were, oh, I was right in the first place. Yeah, when you make a second opinion, your first opinion becomes invalid. That's the way the world works. And I think that gets lost on the NBA media, but that's just a little rant from us, mate. Let's move on to game four, shall we? Let's do it. This, I sat down, I had a complete day off, which is rare for me. I was sitting in front of the television, mate. I was looking forward to the full, unadulted three-hour experience. And I got to watch both of these teams shoot nine of 51 combined from three. Yay. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> if I was going to suggest a game to watch to a non-NBA loving friend of mine, this would be the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was not pretty to watch, mate. No, it really the, wasn't. The Suns won 84 to 80. And boy, oh boy, this was, this was a grind to get through. This was the... I've worked as a chef for six years, mate. This is walking in on a Monday and seeing that the person hasn't cleaned up the fridge. They haven't done the prep list. They've just left it all to me. And I, and I don't know what to do with myself, but it's got to get done. And that's how this game felt. It was it was extraordinarily bad, but the fact that it was close still meant that you, that you still had to watch it. That was quite frustrating. If we got to the last five minutes and a team was up by 12, you could almost justify yourself by going, oh, I'm not going to miss out on much here, but... Yeah, once it got close in the last year, couldn't look away as much as I think many fans wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. And the scoreline, it's like going back to the 80s mm. where there was, you know, hand-checking on defense and, you know, no three-second defensive violation and all the all these defensive rules that have come into the game to allow for scoring were just taken away. And it was 84-80. So, yeah, really weird one. Yeah, definitely was, mate. Now, if you're wondering just how weird this was, your man campaign hit a three, a rare three for the Suns with three minutes and 17 seconds left in the second quarter, mate, which was fantastic. Uh, it was rare, so I was cheering uh, really loudly, more so because he was your man, but we got a three. The Suns from there on, from there on, so that's three minutes, 17 in the second quarter. The third quarter and the fourth quarter scored 38 points. Now, I'm not asking for 100 here. I'm not the kind of guy that says we need 150 to 140 for a good game of basketball. That's, I want to make that perfectly clear. But we're in a Western Conference final series, and you're offering me up 38. And you know what really shits me about it? They still won. Yeah, that's, uh, that's nearly unheard of. That's, it's disgusting is what it is. Watching, uh, I got to watch... Um, all Portland Trailblazers regular season and playoff games mm -hmm. uh, this year as an avid supporter. And I can assure you that in nearly 75% of our games, the opposition scored more than that in the first quarter alone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's saying something about our defense or the offense played in this game or a little bit of both, but it's bad regardless. Yeah, no uh, Kawhi. Is a struggle, but even if Kawhi's there, I mean, if the Suns will obviously stay on 84, maybe a bit lower because of Kawhi's defense, but God, this this was a slog. So how optimistic are you, mate, about uh, game five? 
I think both teams, I mean, they can't shoot any worse. We have to see that as a positive, maybe. But we've got game five on tomorrow. So what are your thoughts? Uh, who do you think's going to win? I'll just give my quick tip first. Uh, I think the Clippers bounce back. Um, I think Paul George goes nuts. He's clearly played better when they're behind. So I reckon he goes nuts for 30 plus points. Uh, double double gets the Clippers over the line in a close one, but looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's a uh, a better affair than Game Four. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Suns. I think the Suns close it out at home, and I think Chris Paul silences the doubters. He's got a really bad record when up three one in playoff series. We know that. He's never been to the NBA finals before. And I just feel like he's going to go to Phoenix. He's going to have 20 plus points, 10 plus assists and zero turnovers. Wind back the clock and will himself into his first NBA finals series. So I'm going Suns to close it out. The Clippers have been very brave, but I think the Suns are just a lot more well-rounded at the moment, especially without Kawhi. Yeah, completely justifiable. And um, we'll be playing this clip back in uh, in the next show to uh, remember uh, who was right. Uh, there is no betting market on this, but Smithy, unfortunately, uh, gets most right when it comes to me versus him in these sports. But I did get Luca 40-plus right. So one and a half tips will be right. So either Chris Paul will go off and the Clippers will win, or the Suns will go off. Uh, the Suns will win and Paul George will go off. So if you are a punter out there, maybe just there's a little bit of 50 cents each way about that. So we'll, we'll see. I think you're probably more confident in your tip than I am. But yeah, putting faith into the Clippers. Oh, I feel like Skip Bayless right now. So I'm going to quickly move on. I'm going to move on. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Actually, before we move on to the East, mate. We'll let the uh, the listeners know. So once both uh, conference final series are over, we're going to jump on and review the remaining games. And then hopefully the day um, before or two days before the final start, we're going to do our finals preview, um, our series winner, who we think is going to go off, how many games, all that. So they're going to be two shows. So look out for that. Let's move on to the East, my friend. Milwaukee versus Atlanta. We both predicted Atlanta to take a game off the Bucs. And I'll be honest with you, mate, I wasn't expecting it to be game one. But alas, here we are, 116, 113. Trey Young announced to the world that I'm still a superstar. Don't you worry about that. 48, 7, and 11 on 50% shooting for the game. 17 of 34. Let's Before we move on to the other good players of that game, we just need to admire, is Trey Young the, had the biggest... Um, reputation enhancement of these playoff series, do you think? Surely he has. Now let, let me just make this very clear, Daz. Please do, my friend. This is one of the greatest playoff performances of all time. Yeah, it's unreal. Of all time, mate. Yep. I'm, I'm saying this is up there with LeBron's 50-point triple-double in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. This is up there with Magic Johnson's Triple double playing center. Yep. In the NBA finals. KD on the Bucks. The Bucks have given away some um oh. all-time playoff performances. This 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 is up this there run. with the the Michael Jordan flu game in 1997. I mean, like 
This is up there with the greatest playoff performances of all time. Yeah. 48 points, seven rebounds. And this man is six foot one and he's yeah. had seven rebounds. I'm tall. 11... We're both taller than Trey Young. I don't know if that makes you as annoyed as it does me, maybe because I'm not in shape, but there's a little part of me there that just thinks, oh, you little prick, but I'm yeah, more nah. than happy for him. Yeah. <laughs> he's had 48 points, seven rebounds and 11 assists, shooting 50% from the field on enemy territory in a series where he is the rank underdog. This is just one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. And from a kid in his first playoff run, yeah, not his, not his first series, obviously that goes back to the first round against New York, but his first playoff run, I have, I have no more superlatives for this game. This was just incredible. This was his 13th playoff game. Just... Let that marinate in the listeners and your head as well, mate. 13th playoff game. And he's delivered that. But let's move on. Let's move on to one of his teammates. And I want to talk about John Collins as well. Put up 23 points, 15 rebounds, which on any other game would probably be remembered as the star. But Trey took that off him. But this man from two-point range just went nine of 10. It was Chris Paul-like. Yeah, we've, we've always known that John Collins has had the offensive capabilities but what's impressed me about John Collins is defense. Mm. This man was known as a liability on defense uh, during his rookie year and last year, even as early as this year, people were calling him a defensive liability, but he has turned it around this playoffs. He's turned into a genuine two-way player. And it, I, it goes back to the conversation we had about whether the Hawks should pay John Collins that, you know, 20 to $25 million a year that he's going to be asking for. And he is just showing them that he is worth, worth the money Mm. because in this playoff run, he has been outstanding. And, you know, it's obvious that he has great chemistry with Trey young. We saw the alley-oop off the backboard. That was a serious highlight. Imagine rolling that out in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, just throwing alley-oops off the backboard and having fun. On enemy territory, and you're both smiling and give each other a high five. And yeah, the traditionalists just... out there, the people double our age, are going, oh, these rotten kids. But my good mate, it's extraordinary. Love it. It is, it is extraordinary. And, you know, it just goes to show, I said I wanted a Suns versus Hawks final. I don't think the Hawks are going to win the series, <laughs> but we can just... You can just see from the start of this series how fun Suns versus Hawks would be. Yeah. I mean, how good... No, not how good. So the Suns went 8-0, uh, I think it was, in the bubble last year. Got Chris Paul. They were flags as the most exciting team to watch. Even when the NBA Finals start, and I can't wait for them to start. They're going to be extraordinary. But looking at sort of the shows that we're going to do in the offseason leading into next year, if Atlanta aren't going to be the most exciting team leading into opening week next year, I'd love to know who it's going to be because this core is young. They're exciting. They've obviously done a little bit of what the Celtics did in 27-2018. Their young core is what took them a long way. I'm not trying to make this about the Celtics, I assure you. But Atlanta next year, they went from getting to the all-star break going, we think they need to trade out this player and this player. This is what they need to do to fix their squad. And they did it from within. This is I don't know if it's being talked about enough. This is extraordinary. They beat Philly. They beat New York in basically the battle of the kids. 
They then beat Philly and everything went wrong for Philly from their side. It was their own fault, but they still had to be beaten. This is just extraordinary. I mean, we've talked about it before. Why the hell aren't they being talked about more? Yeah, and yeah, go back to earlier this year, they were struggling with Lloyd Pierce's head coach. They were, I think they were 16 and 20 um, at the time of Lloyd Pierce being fired. And then Nate McMillan stepped up as interim head coach. And that that was just the thing that they needed. That was the, the change of voice they needed. And since then, they have been outstanding to watch. And yeah, I, I think the future is really bright in Atlanta, but, I think our cue to move on to game two is now because the Bucks deserve some credit. They do, mate. Let's face it. They were a bit of a laughing stock. How could you let these young upstarts walk onto your court and get the job over you? So did the Bucks take it personally? Well, how about a 125 to 91 scoreline, my friend? Do you think they took it personally? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they put the line in the sand there and said, uh, this is enough. We've we've got to go now. They sure did. The top four scorers uh, were Bucks players, which showed their offensive prowess. And when it comes to defensive uh, field goal percentage, the top three players on the court were all Bucks as well. They got it done at both ends. And look, Giannis, 25, 9, and 6. We'll talk him up a little bit. Uh, he had 34, 12, and 9 in game one. So his series so far has been extraordinary. Atlanta shot nine for 36 from three. We don't expect them to be that bad for the rest of the series. But we've lamented Giannis especially for his perceived lack of leadership. But credit where credit's due, mate. He walked out on the court and went, you've done it once. You're not doing it again. Yeah, absolutely. And Giannis can see this is his best chance for a ring right here, right now. Yep because he has got a young Atlanta Hawks team who a lot of people believe have overachieved and don't, they're not in the the right spot in their development to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. So they should get over the top. And then waiting, they've either got a young Phoenix team who mm. will have very, very little amount of NBA finals experience. I know Jay Crowder was there last year when he was a part of the Miami heat, but other than that, I don't think anyone else has any finals experience mm-hmm. or they've got an LA Clippers team who will need to take the series to seven games to get to the NBA finals. Yeah. Kawhi will still be underdone. Yeah. Yeah, without their best player. So if Giannis and the Bucks can't win a ring this year, I I don't know if it's going to be happening for them because they have got all of the favors so far in this playoff series. They did they did a good job in beating the Nets, but obviously the Nets were underdone. So they've had some luck. This is their best chance to get it done. So I think Giannis sees that and he's going to take over for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, more than fair enough, mate. So we move on to game three. Three Three-quarter time of game three. Atlanta are up two. Atlanta, of course, took the 34-point loss personally, and we love that. Uh, They came out really strong. Three-quarter time. If the Bucs were going to take this 2-1, they were going to need a special finish, both 
offensively and defensively. Defensively, I thought Drew had his moments. I thought Giannis defended probably better in spots, probably not for the whole quarter, but definitely in isolated spots better than I've seen him for uh, most of the playoffs. But I'm about to get a bit self-indulgent here, mate, because my man exploded on offense. You went crazy, and I'm going to give the four to you because... I cannot deny that you have been on the Chris Middleton bandwagon for a long time now. So this is all you. Yes. So for spoiler alert for anyone that is listening for the first time, and if you are welcome, but Chris Middleton is my man. Smithy and I, we have our guys, um, which are, we jump on the bandwagon when either the media are jumping off them or no one's talking about them at all. It's easy to jump on the bandwagons of superstars, but we're looking for the players that we think need more love. Uh, Smithy with campaign who talked him up, adopted him as his man, and Cam's just gotten better for it, let's face it, and it's because of Smithy. No one can deny that. Whereas Chris Middleton is a player, especially Colin Cowherd, who I know Smithy's a huge fan of. Chris became his... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, heavy sarcasm. But Chris Middleton became the guy that when the Bucks would lose would be... Colin's punching bag. And I'm smart enough to know that if Colin jumps off, I need to jump on. So I wrapped the symbolic Daz wings around Chris. And let me tell you, mate, it's paid off. The big fella has, he's soared, frankly. His last quarter, my friend, the team scored 30 points, which is a fantastic last quarter in a playoff game. Absolutely. Uh, He's just decided to score 66% of those points himself. He went 20, 20 points in the last quarter. He finished with 38, 11, and 7. 38, they 11, are, and 7. They are incredible numbers. Really, really good numbers. If I was buying stock, I'd buy them in Daz's symbolic wings, let me tell you, because they're producing results, my friend. Yeah, no, that, that's, yeah, that's a damning stat, that's for sure. Giannis finished with 33, 11, and 4. Um just a couple of questions on Giannis before we we move on to uh, just a couple of other things that we've got here, mate. Um, yeah, like 33, 11, and 4 is a dominant performance. I'm sure you'd agree with that, first of all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the fan expectations of Giannis to do this in every single playoff game, and it probably goes to other superstars in the league, of course, and we know who they are. We don't need to name them now, but... The fan expectations cause us to not give these awesome performances the credit that they deserve. Because if you said to a Bucks fan or the Bucks organization, Giannis is going to give you 33, 11, and 4 tonight, they're going to go, yes, please, I will buy some. Whereas the NBA media just go, well, he's got two MVPs, he should. Well, if he should and he does, surely you've got to get your kudos, don't you? That is perfectly logical, my friend. No, oh, thanks, mate. And that is the issue here. Hmm. Because your perfect logic will not attract thousands of clicks and views. Yeah, that's that's true. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, you're right. Um, Giannis just gets it done. Let's let's be perfectly honest. Um, obviously, he has his flaws. He's not perfect. I'm sure he'll admit that. Everyone can see it. But what he does well, he does at the top echelon of levels that you can imagine in terms of being a force in the paint, getting rebounds, putting up big points and being a force on defense. So um, Giannis deserves a lot of credit. And 
as I said, I, I think this is his year. Yeah, and if we're giving out credit, I think some credit to us who told him to shot, uh, stop shooting threes. He only shot two, made one, and when he makes one, I think you and I get a bit nervous because we think, oh, he might, if they're going in, if he thinks they're going in, he's not going to get in the paint. But 12 of 19 from the field, which is what we want. Six of 13 from um, free throw land. And I don't want to make this. I know Philly aren't in the competition anymore and the Ben Simmons hate. I'm getting tired of it as someone who's not his biggest fan, but um, Giannis and Ben Simmons are the guys that are attracting a lot of heat for their free throws. Is the criticism not aimed at Giannis more because you think he's got more weapons? Do you think he's avoiding the criticism that Ben Simmons is getting? What do you think is making... Uh, NBA media and NBA fans jump off the Ben Simmons train if they were on it, but they're not getting on Giannis's case. Is it as simple as, well, the Bucs are still in it? Yeah, I think it's as simple as that. The Bucs are winning. Mm. Um, Is that a bit of a cop-out or am I being, am I fishing? It could be a slight cop-out, but Giannis is doing a lot more than what Ben was. Giannis is still giving you 30 a night, whereas... Ben Simmons was averaging single figures for the series and was actually having to get taken out of the game because of his free throw shooting. Whereas you're not taking Giannis out of the game because he can do so much for you in terms of defense, in terms of rebounding the ball, in terms of driving and scoring. So as much as Giannis's free throw shooting is a concern, uh, I'll be the first one to say that I called him out on a show on one of our shows a few weeks ago for missing some key free throws. But if he's doing so much for you in terms of putting up big numbers, then you got to live and die by the sword sort of thing. Um, he can make them regularly enough. There's been games where he's shot six of eight or, you know, seven of 11 and mm. they are more than respectable numbers. And even some of the best free throw shooters in the league, like Paul George, we didn't uh, didn't touch on it, but he missed two key free throws against the Suns, which cost them a game. So, you know, even the best free throw shooters can have their hiccups. Obviously, Giannis has them more than others, but as I said, he's given you enough production in other areas of the game where you can just, you know, you can live with those missed free throws if he's given you... 35 points a night with 12 plus rebounds. Yeah, that's it. And before we move on to our predictions, uh, Trey Young had 35 on 12 of 23 shooting, but didn't get the kudos because the Hawks didn't win as rightly or wrongly as you perceive that to be, I believe wrongly. Um, if your team loses, but you starred, it's kind of hard to say it was their fault, don't you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the one thing that is a concern Trey Young tweaked his ankle, mm. stood on the referee's foot, which is a tragic accident to happen. If it's anything serious that will hinder Trey Young for the rest of the series, it's that's going to be really unfortunate if such a freak accident like that can um, affect Trey Young for the rest of the series and impact the results. So hopefully it's not too serious. Yeah, hopefully this series goes for as long as I can, because I'm just enjoying watching Atlanta so much, but we've got game four uh, in a couple of days time. We predicted the bucks in five. We agreed on that. Uh, so are you going bucks in game four? I know I certainly am. Yeah. I can't see 
uh, this Bucks momentum slowing down, especially if Trey Young is hindered by that ankle, mm-hmm. then um, yeah, I, I still take the Bucks in Game Four. Yeah. Well, since we agree, give us a points margin. I'm going to go with sixteen. I'm going to go seven points. All right, Smithy predicting a tighter one. As fans, we probably hope that you're more right, but I'm competitive, so I don't know how I feel about wanting a blowout but wanting it to be competitive, but there you go. All right, mate, to finish us off, there are, as we speak, there were seven coaching jobs available. Uh, Four of them have been filled, so we're going to go through them, uh, see your thoughts on them, especially because two of the teams we're about to mention are the teams that we barrack for, so we might actually do them last, I think. Let's start with the Pacers. Uh, they went to Dallas and went, Rick Carlisle is our man. They looked at him and said, I will buy some. Are you buying uh, Rick Carlisle being successful in Indiana? Yeah, this is a fantastic yeah, it was a by the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt in the NBA fans' mind that Rick Carlisle was the best coach available mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know people who you can bring in to head coach. He was the number one seed. Everyone would have wanted Rick Carlisle. And I love this. I love the situation he's going to in Indiana. Uh, I personally thought as soon as he left Dallas, he was going to pounce on the vacancy in Boston, considering he won an NBA championship in Boston as a player. Mm-hmm. But he does have ties to Indiana as well. Um, he was assistant, Larry Bird's assistant coach in the late 90s, early 2000s when Larry Bird was the head coach of the Indiana Pacers and took them through numerous deep playoff runs, including a Eastern conference finals with the Chicago bulls. So Rick Carlisle does have ties to the city of Indiana. And I really like the roster he's got to work with Um, as it stands right now, they're a playoff team, but they've also got a few really nice trade chips to work around and for Rick Carlisle to build the roster that he wants. Uh, I think one of either DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner will be on the move this off season. If I had to say which one, I'd think it'd be Turner. I reckon yeah. they'd be crazy to part with Sabonis after the season he had. But Oh boy, what a season it was. And obviously Sabonis brings more value though. Mm-hmm. And if Miles Turner fits that style that Rick Carlisle wants is that uh, seven foot center who can shoot the three pointer, then Sabonis may be looking for a new home. But I think Turner moves. I think Malcolm Brogdon could bring some good value to a contending team who are looking for a steady point guard influence. Uh, he's got youngsters like Karis Levert on the roster, TJ Warren. He's got a lot to work with in Indiana. Um, so they really hit the jackpot there. I think the paces. Yeah, beautiful. Um, if do you, I don't know how much you know, but do you think Rick Carlisle went to Indiana and said, I want to coach you? Or do you think Indiana sought him out? Because if Indiana sought him out of those seven teams, are they, do you think they would be the best team to go to? If all seven, we don't know if all seven teams uh, wanted him, of course, maybe Portland didn't or Washington didn't reach out. But of those seven teams, do you think Indiana is the best fit for him as a fan? It's a great question. Um, it all depends on what sort of, because you got to remember he's not going there 
just to coach a sports team. He's relocating his whole life. Yeah. So he's gone from a relatively big market in Dallas. Um, I know Dallas is more well-known for the NFL side of things with the Cowboys, but the Mavericks are still a relatively big organization. Um, so I think purely roster-wise, the best roster you could take over would be the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. just because they've got two genuine superstars under contract to work with. But if Rick Carlisle was looking for a small market team, somewhere to settle down and do a lengthy rebuild rebuild with, I think the Pacers are a great fit. Um, small market team, but very passionate fan base who love their basketball. And as I mentioned, they've got some great trade pieces there and some you know, great young, young additions to the roster. So uh, I think it could be a bit of both. I think the Pacers would have reached out to Rick Carlisle, but, through the connections with um, his pastime in Indiana. I think, I think it's a great deal both ways. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Well, the team that he left the Mavericks, they obviously had their spot open and they have sought out Lakers assistant, Jason kid. Their head of operations as well uh, is one of uh, a guy. I don't have his name in front of me, which I feel bad about, but um, apparently it was a package deal that Jason kid, and this man, I hope you've got his name in front of me because I'm completely blanking at the moment. But alas, here we are. Uh, apologies to the new Dallas uh, head of operations because I've completely forgotten your name. Um, but let's focus on Jason Kidd, mate. Uh, how do you rate the hire? I'm not too sure how to feel about this. Okay. Now, I know that Jason Kidd had a fantastic NBA career mm-hmm. and won his one and only NBA championship as a member of the Dallas Mavericks. But his head coaching track record does not read fantastically. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put it frankly. Uh, His stint in Brooklyn wasn't, wasn't great. He got a second chance in Milwaukee and was pretty much ran out of that organization. Um through having subpar relationships with his players. Giannis Antetokounmpo has come out on the record and say that said that him and Jason Kidd did not get along yeah, and that Jason Kidd was holding back his development as a player. So, you know, seeing what Giannis has done since Jason Kidd left Milwaukee, that would worry me as a Dallas fan. Yeah. Because if he doesn't get he, along with Luca, it's, it's yep. the common the common uh, denominator there is going to be Jason Kidd's ability to develop relationships, like you were saying. So I understand yep. your concern, but as we sit here today, are you thinking good hire, not so good hire, or is this simply a case of wait and see? It's simply a case of wait and see for me. Mm. He's won 183 um, games as a coach and lost 190. So he's just below 500, which doesn't scream um, next best thing if you're a Dallas fan. But, you know, we've looked at, there are plenty of coaches that have coached pretty poor teams, but where do you sit, mate? Yeah, those and those rosters he had were pretty good as well. Mm. Um, he had the the Brooklyn Nets. I know they were aging, but you know they had some stars on that roster, and uh, obviously had Giannis in Milwaukee. So 
to be under 500 in your career, that's not ideal. Just me looking at it now. Um, yeah, so I think this is a, an absolute wait and see. Uh, look, hopefully for the Dallas Mavericks, he comes in and has a great relationship with Luca and everything works out. But, you know, it's definitely a wait and see for me. Yeah. How long do you think it'll take a fan, well, us as neutral fans to notice, do you think? Because if, you know, Dallas come out and get smacked in their first game, we know what the media are going to do, run him out of town or all that. But how long will it take, do you think? I don't think it's going to take that long because we've seen what Luca is capable of. Mm. He showed us in the first round of the playoffs this year, just what he can do. And he took a massive step this year compared to his rookie season. And so if he comes out and he regresses takes a step back then we know that you know the problem probably is jason kidd so i think we're going to know rather quickly whether this was a good move or a bad move by the mavericks yeah before we move on it's nike executive nico harrison i'll just have to google him so i don't think he'll be listening to a couple of flogs like us talk basketball mate but um that's his name that's who he is and he was on board with the hiring as well so i've seamlessly i think gone through that let's move on shall we yep go for it (laughs) we'll we'll finish with your boys mate they're your favorites so we'll save the best till last when it comes to you uh boston uh i really hope i get this gentleman's name right is it i'm or imi do you know i think it's imi 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 doka yeah the last name i nailed but uh it was assistant coach of brooklyn uh boston fans if you read the socials were absolutely ecstatic after reading about um after reading about him and doing my own sort of research, I, I love it, but I am, as you know, mate, I am pretty pessimistic when it comes to uh, my NFL and my NBA, when it comes to my team. So I'm the type that, uh, that'll wait and see, but for Boston fans that are like me that uh, are waiting and seeing, what are your initial thoughts as a neutral fan? Love it. I really, I really love this for the Celtics. I think it's sort of like, here in the AFL, um, I won't harp onto it too much because this isn't an AFL podcast, but mm-hmm. we have a very successful coach in the AFL named Alistair Clarkson and any assistant coach who has come from his reign has done really well as a head coach in other places. Um, it just seems like it's a breeding ground for really successful head coaches and I feel that way with San Antonio in the NBA and Greg Popovich and Emi Adoka was an assistant coach under Greg Popovich from 2012 until 2019. Uh, so he was there. Yeah. He was there for the championship uh, against the Miami heat. He spent a lot of years there and through a lot of playoff runs was obviously uh, Greg Popovich's right-hand man for a long time. So he has got the pedigree to come in and be a fantastic head coach right away. So I think the Boston Celtics did a great job um, getting this man into their organization. I still think, I don't know if it's just pride of not being able to get the uh, 
prediction right, but I still think if they could have got Rick Carlisle, they should have, but um, I regress. Yeah, that's okay. And if if Smithy loves it, I can breathe a, a sigh of relief because Boston fans um very parochial and perhaps get a bit ahead of themselves when JT dropped uh, the 50 points in the playoff game against Brooklyn. There were Boston fans saying that he was already better than Larry Bird. But uh, Larry Bird, I'll learn how to speak English. So when you've got fans that want to throw out those things, mate, it's uh, kind of hard to take social media opinions all that seriously. So the fact that you're on board gives me a uh, a lot of relief. And yeah, with all my research that I've done on him, he, he sounds like a fantastic hire. So let's finish up. Smithy wanted Stott's gone. It was if he could have had a t-shirt made, he would have. If he could have got a hoodie made, Smithy could have been spotted at Spencer Street around the city, parading, megaphone out, wanted him gone. He is gone. So now I'm really looking forward to how you feel about Chauncey Billups, the LA Clippers assistant, who will now be in charge of the Trailblazers. The floor is yours, mate. Give it all you got. I really don't know what to think right now. Oh no. <laughs> I've had I've had days to stew on this and I'm still still really unsure about if we've made the right decision or not. There are so many things going around about Chauncey Billups right now. Um there's been some allegations surfaced. Um, from 1997, um, which has been a bit of a dark cloud over the whole process because obviously we want to assume innocence until proven guilty, but um, just having those allegations hovering over the whole hiring process isn't what we want. He's only served one year as an assistant coach in the NBA. Yeah, it's Um, not a long apprenticeship, is it? This year was his first year. Obviously, he's a staff on this LA Clippers team who is doing a fantastic job undermanned. Uh, he's been working with Ty Lu, who is an won an NBA championship as a head coach. So he's around good people. He's around a good group of players. But to throw a five-year deal to an unproven head coach who has one season of NBA coaching experience. It's a huge question mark for me. Um, If I'm looking at it optimistically, Steve Kerr didn't have a lot of head coaching experience before he came in and took over the Warriors job and completely dominated the NBA landscape. But the Portland Trailblazers roster is nowhere near the level of the Warriors roster during those times. So it's hard to draw a comparison there. I like John C. Billups as a player. I liked him as an analyst. I think he really knows his stuff, but coaching is a whole different kettle of fish. And the thing that has really riled me up about this whole thing is the social media backlash on Damian Lillard. Yeah, I'll if as a neutral fan, if I can touch on it before you get onto it. Um, yeah, the, I couldn't agree more with what Dame put out. He didn't read the news when he was seven or eight. He was asked a question. He answered the question. It's not, it's not on him. And if you're a fan out there who are DMing him, blaming him for any sort of thing, you're doing 
exactly what you can do to push him out the door. And if he joins another team now, I'm a firm believer that he's going to be because of this fan backlash. It's gone from a might be out the door to probably is. I don't know if he is or not, but I think it's disgusting if you're a fan out there that are, are tweeting Dame Lillard about his so-called endorsement. He was seven or eight years old for crying out loud. Back to you, mate. Yeah. If Now, I said that I would not blame Damian Lillard for searching for success somewhere else Mm -hmm. because the Portland Trailblazers management, their inability to put pieces around Damian Lillard to succeed has not been good enough. Um, He is well and truly capable of being the best player on a championship team. I have no doubt in my mind about that, but you have to have the pieces around you. But after all that he has done, if he leaves the Portland Trailblazers franchise because the fans have turned on him about something that has nothing to do with him, yep. then I am going to be sick. Mm-hmm. Because I am at the stage in my life where there's no going back for me. I'm a Portland fan until I die. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's going to be seriously hard to associate myself with a franchise and a fan base that pushes their best player of all time out the door over something like this. Yeah. You're continuously going to be asked now, if you're talking to new people, oh, what do you think of the basketball mate? Who do you barrack for? I barrack for Paul. And if Dane goes out the door, you're going to go, oh, so what do you think of what he said? And it's, yeah, it's going to cause, more uproar, I think. And like you said, you're Portland till you die. And I've almost reached a point of sadness about it as a neutral fan because you look at all the amazing things that Dame's done. Do you really think that he's absorbed all the information that has surfaced and still gone, oh, yeah, I want him to coach us? Like, of course he hasn't. Common sense can't be that uncommon, surely. Well, it is. Yep. So, um, Dame, don't listen to these fans, man. Uh, the real, the real fans love and respect you for what you have done. Um, so yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah, we leave it there. Bit of a dour note to end on, mate, but a uh, a passionate one and a a powerful one to everyone out there that's um that's listened. Thanks very much. You're all genuine superstars. Wherever you're getting this podcast, Spotify, iTunes, our iTunes problem's been fixed. Um, we got notified about. So if you are listening to this on um, on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully you're enjoying uh, the content. If you're an NFL fan out there, we are going to get more NFL content out. We haven't forgotten about you. Uh, it is coming uh, down the road as hopefully you understand NBA finals are just a touch of a priority right now, but we do have NFL stuff in the works. And to the NBA fans, if your team is still in the conference finals, um, good luck. Uh, I'm sure the journey has been a stressful one. Uh, hopefully you get your desired result and to anyone out there that is in Australia, things are going a bit downhill um, with COVID times in separate places around the country. Smithy's going to say it, but I'm going to state as well. Um, stay safe. We as Melbournians understand the, the stress and we don't want to be in lockdown anymore than you guys do. So stay safe, be well, you're all superstars and we're here to say goodbye. So Smithy, take it away. Yep. Um, yeah, that's the main one. Just stay safe, everyone. Obviously, 
I say it at the end of every show. It's become my trademark exit. But um, yeah, now more than ever, uh, let's stay safe and stay together. That's it, mate. And we'll catch you next time.